At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, A time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day, you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Well, thank you, Ian. It was an honour to be part of yesterday's uh, wonderful event and a joy to share from this terrific passage this morning. So let's pray and ask the Lord to encourage us, to give us joy, uh, maybe in the midst of our troubles. Father, thank you that your word is a comfort to us. Your word is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. And we pray this morning we might hear the voice of our Lord Jesus, his voice of comfort and encouragement, that we might persevere with joy. For the sake of his name. Amen. When we lived in Sydney, my children went for a while to uh, 
North Newtown Public School. And I remember, uh, I think it was the last day of the school year, a speech day, and a teacher gave a speech, which I've never forgotten, to all the boys and girls. And she said, boys and girls, I want you to close your eyes and imagine you're on a train journey. And then she described this train journey. The train goes through these wonderful fields, this patchwork of green. You see the willows blowing in the breeze, the cows grazing in the fields. It's really, it's, it's lovely. Then the train leaves the fields and climbs these majestic mountains. You see the glaciers, the awesome peaks, the skiers skiing down the slopes. It's, it's breathtaking. Then you leave the mountains and the train then goes by a river, a lovely, it's aqua blue, you can see the fish swimming, the water skiers. The whole thing is just wonderful. The fields, the mountains, the river, just takes your breath away. But, she said, all the while you can't wait to get to the place you're going to. You can't wait to get to the station to the, to the journey's end. All the while, looking forward to what's next, to the journey's end. I want to say to you this morning, boys and girls, that there is no journey's end. There's no station. There's just the journey. So you can't wait to finish primary school and get to high school. Then you can't wait to get to university or get a job. You can't wait to get married, uh, have a family, have a, get a house. You can't wait to retire. All the while, waiting, longing, hoping for what's next for the journey's end. When there is no journey's end, there's just the journey, she said. Then she gave the children three pieces of profound advice. Number one, take off your shoes and run barefoot. I can't say how helpful I found that in my life. Uh, number two, slurp an ice cream. Number three, smile more, for goodness sake cry less, she said. Most people go through life with regrets from the past and fears for the future. When they need to realise there is no future. Happy Christmas, boys and girls. No, I, I, I added that bit. I think I disagree with everything in that story. Everything. Just about. The idea to tell my kids there's no future, there's no heaven, there's no glory. But more than that, I mean, get real, lady. Don't you talk to people? Do you live in a cave? But for many people, life is not green fields, snow-capped peaks and clear blue waters. Am I, am I right? It's deserts, wildernesses, swamps, that's life, isn't it? Heartbreak, disappointment, betrayal, depression, unemployment, failure, cancer. That's, that's life. We have a friend in Melbourne, Susie. She's come out from Asia. Uh, we've known her for two years now. Had dinner with her just a couple of months ago. I don't think she's known a day of joy in her life. Her parents never told her that they loved her. She married a man who took his ex-wife with them on the honeymoon. And she spent her time, Susie, cooking meals and washing their clothes. He's now her ex-husband. Surprise, surprise. Has a son she loves who just takes her for granted. And then used all her money in a business which went bust six months ago. Don't talk to her, woman, lady about green fields, snow-capped peaks and clear blue waters. Life is tough. 
So we're trying to share with Susie, the Lord Jesus, so she can know in this life there are troubles, but there can be joy. Because that would be new to her. We see this morning uh, these words from our Lord's last sermon given just hours before, maybe moments before, his arrest, trial and death. He, he may have said these words as he walked from Jerusalem to Gethsemane on the side of the Mount of Olives. To tell the disciples, to warn them as he had before, the next weekend for you will be horrendous. Horrendous days coming ahead. But beyond that, shortly, there will be joy. He's told them so many times, I'm going to die, be arrested, Great trouble, then joy. But they, they, just, they just don't get it, do they? Because it's so far beyond their frame of reference. They just can't, you see, they know he's the Messiah. They've been with him for three years. They know that. And the Messiah, the long-awaited king, will come. He'll bring in justice, righteousness, salvation. He'll have a kingdom greater than Solomon's. Wider, stronger, longer. A great king. Yet you talk about death and resurrection and dying. It doesn't compute. You can have kingship and glory and power or you can have weakness, shame and death but you can't have them both. You can't have them both. You can't break your leg and win the race. You can't burn down your house and still live in it. You can't lose an election and form a government. Bill, you can't. You can't die on a cross and be the Messiah. It's just some things just don't compute. So they, they, they are confused by all he's saying. So in these words, in chapter 16, he's warning them, yes, there's trouble, then there's joy. And he tells them again and again, it's better for you that I go away, really. In the first part of the chapter, because if I go away, then I'll send the Spirit. That, that'll be terrific for you. And here, if I go away, then come back, you'll have joy. And that's the point of this, this, this passage here. So he's going away for a little while, just a few days. I, I think if he said to them, look guys, I've got to nip back to Nazareth. <laughs> just some business there. Then I'm coming back. They'd get, they'd get that. But he talks about going to the Father. And that's, I think, what confuses them. And he speaks about their weeping and their sorrow. It'll be like a woman, he says, in childbirth. That when she's given birth, there's great pain, but then she forgets the birth in the joy of the baby. Now you might say, ladies, well, actually, <laughs> no you don't. <laughs> you quite, it's quite vivid, the memory. Uh, we, have, we have four kids. After one, I forget which one, Sarah said right away, oh, I could do that again. I think she meant having the baby, not the actual delivery. But that's, that's the point. It's, it's, the joy of having a child makes you forget the sorrow. The joy of next week, disciples, when I've risen, you'll forget the pain, the sorrow of this coming weekend. It's interesting when you turn to Luke's Gospel, and the last words of Luke's Gospel, after our Lord's resurrection, Luke ends his story with these words. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually in the temple, praising God. A weekend of horrendous sorrow and suffering, but then days, weeks, years of great joy. Then he speaks of one of the benefits of his going away, and that's prayer. 
in that day, the day I rise from the dead, you'll no longer ask me for anything. When I've risen, guys, you'll get it. You'll understand. It'll all, all the puzzles of the picture will finally come together. And that's you and me. We get it, don't we? We get Jesus. We get the atonement. I think we do. The cross. We get the resurrection. We understand the Holy Spirit. We understand heaven and hell. Our Lord's second coming. We, we get that. Someone says to you, how do I get to know God? We say, oh, the key word is faith. We, we get that. How do, I, what's, how do I live the Christian life? Oh, the key word is love. We get it. Because he's died and risen again. Then he says even more than that, when I've risen, you can ask the Father for anything, I'll give it to you. Now that's outrageous, isn't it? It's amazing you read this, this sermon, how again and again he says that. Chapter 14, verse 13, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. 14, verse 14, you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it. 15.7 If you remain in me, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. 15.16 Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now here again in verse 23 My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Unless we miss the point, verse 24 Ask and you'll receive. Now, this can't be, as you know, a, a carte blanche, can a blank check, ask whatever you want. It, it can't be. In a few moments' time, he'll ask the Father for something, won't he? Take this cup from me. And he won't receive it. And he has those key words, but not my will, but yours be done. God, you're, you're all good, you're all wise. All-knowing, all-loving, you know better than I what's good for me. I don't see the whole picture, you do. I pray wrong prayers, you give right answers. So I can trust you. I can trust you. But the take-home lesson is this, from these words, he wants us to pray. Now, let's be honest, I think for most of us, prayer is the great big black hole in our Christian lives. Am I right? I was in a church in South Africa just two weeks ago, a very fine church, Sunday morning, preaching there. And the next day the pastor, a great guy, said to me, Mike, can you give us some feedback on the service? What, what are your, your thoughts? I thought, oh, brother, I'm surprised there's so little prayer. Lots of preaching. Lots of singing, not much prayer. Well done, prayer. I'm sorry, I don't remember your name. Well done. Great prayer. So, beloved, pray. I want to give you just some, some words of encouragement to pray. Pray great global prayers, as we heard this morning. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Pray for your everyday needs. Give us this day our daily bread. You're never alone when you pray. 
For God hears your prayers from the lips of Jesus. Remember, we only see a small number of answers to our prayers. We don't see answers to most of our prayers. Prayer is one of the most useful things you can do, not the least useful. Perhaps the best hour you could spend today would be between four and five at this church praying, believe it or not. Tell God immediately when you're hurt, or you have an accident, or pain, or tragedy, or disappointment. Tell God before you tell anyone else. And look to him for comfort, consolation, relief, help. Pray 100 prayers before you make one complaint or criticism. Pray to God before you talk to others about your questions, problems, doubts and fears. Bring your deepest needs to God. Turn to God for comfort before you turn to others. Tell people you're praying for them. Tell them what you're praying for them. Ask them, how can I pray for you? And mix your prayers with praise and thanksgiving. I just said I've tried over the last couple of years to really take my prayer life forward a bit if I can, to pray, pray more, pray better prayers. And I often begin now on my, my morning quiet times, I just download some, some hymn or song from the, the YouTube and just begin my prayers with a song of praise. So beloved, pray. And he'll answer and do what's best for us. That's the first thing our Lord says. He, has, he says the same thing twice in this passage. One with kind of picture language, one with plain language. Now he, just, he says the same things again in the second half of the chapter. All will become clear, he says, in that day. When I rise from the dead, all will become clear. You can ask the Father in my name, but don't get that wrong, he says. Don't think for a moment the Father is unwilling. You've got to go through me. The Father's unwilling. He's not unwilling. He says, I'm not saying I'll ask the Father on your behalf. It's not like, and some people think this, there's mum and dad and the kids. Dad's strict, okay? Kids in bed by nine o'clock. No seconds on ice cream. And no, you can't go out with Jeremy because he's a jerk, okay? That's, that's, that's dad, he's strict. Mum, bit softer. You can go to bed, nine or ten, that's fine. You know, seconds on ice cream, I would like seconds myself. I think Jeremy's quite nice, not the dipstick your dad does, I think he's quite nice. So mum... Will you talk to dad on my behalf? It's not like that with God. Jesus says, No, the Father himself loves you because you've loved me and believe that I've come from God. So when you pray those words in the name of Jesus Christ, it's not like some heavenly protocol you've got to go through to reach an unwilling father. Not at all. John Piper, is a preacher, has a great, I think, great illustration. He says that our prayers are like God's, the aroma of God's favourite food. I live in Melbourne and near us is a bakery and we moved to an apartment. And the first time I went for a walk, I could smell the aroma of baking bread. Isn't that, isn't that a fantastic smell? Oh, I love this. And I was 
right away, I've got to find this bakery. I was drawn to it. To get a croissant for Sarah and a Danish for me, I'm just drawn to it. Piper says, that's like our prayers in God's nostrils, as it were. When we pray, it's like our prayers are the aroma of his favourite food and he's drawn into the kitchen, as it were, to answer our prayers. So don't get it wrong. God is willing to hear your prayers. And when you pray in Jesus' name, you're just saying, because of your death and resurrection, I have unhindered access to the Father's presence to bring to him my prayers. In the end, the disciples say, well, Lord, now we get it. Thank you so much, we get it now. No, they don't. Because once that weekend comes, as our Lord forecasts, you won't see them for dust. They'll scatter and be discouraged. You'll be scattered, each to your own home. And then in the last verse, our Lord sums it all up, which I think is a great summary of the Christian life. First, there is the Christian's experience. In me, you have peace. Then our counter-experience. In this world, trouble. Then the reason it all makes sense, I have overcome the world. In this world, you have trouble. Now, those words are given, first of all, to the disciples. You're going to have trouble, guys, and they did have trouble in this world. Now, of course, we all have trouble in the world, like my friend Susie, but for Christians, it's double trouble. Because we follow Jesus. As the disciples found out, as you know, according to to tradition, Paul and Peter were crucified in Rome. Peter upside down. Thomas went to India, was speared to death with the spears of four soldiers. Andrew took the gospel to Russia, was crucified. Philip, cruelly put to death. Matthew, stabbed to death in Ethiopia. James, stoned and clubbed to death. Matthias, burnt alive. Simon the Zealot and Bartholomew, also martyred. Only one did not die a violent death. John, his last years on the island of Patmos, a prison island. In this world you'll have trouble. Now they, I guess, won't be our troubles. But beloved, hear this morning from Jesus. Because you follow Christ, in this world you'll have trouble. We prayed, deliver us from the evil one. Satan will assault you, attempt you, accuse you, afflict you. Some of you will be rejected by your family because of Jesus. Some insulted because of your stand on Christian values. Some will make, for Jesus' sake, enormous financial sacrifices. Some will turn your back on a good career to answer God's call to the mission field. Some will say goodbye to your kids and grandkids for 20 years as they go to the mission field. You'll see them once every three years. Some of you. You'll all say no to some comforts and yes to obedience. 
You'll all return hatred with love. You'll all suffer abuse silently and not strike back. In this world, you will have trouble. But I have overcome the world. He said this, of course, before his death and resurrection, didn't he? But so sure is it that he can speak as if it's happened. You will be assaulted by Satan, but I have defeated Satan. You may give up everything, but you'll save your soul and inherit the earth. You may fear as you face illness and death, but I've conquered death. You may be insulted, but I'll commend you. Trouble in this world, peace in me, because I've overcome the world. We have a a good friend, uh, she's early 30s, has had depression probably since she was 15, and I mean suicidal depression. Often his family staying with her lest she take her life. For 15, 16 years, deeply depressed. And a godly believer. A while ago she wrote this letter to us. This is her train journey, by the way. It's through a long, long, long dark tunnel. But she writes these words. My biggest need in life is not for my depression to be taken away or healed. My biggest need in life is for my God, my Jesus, and the love and forgiveness he freely gives so I can be with him forever. It stuns me that he's met all my biggest and deepest and eternal needs. I may never be without depression in this life, but I'll never be without Jesus in this life and the next. I might hardly ever feel hope or joy in this life, but nonetheless I have them true and certain. The sure hope that I will be with my beloved Jesus forever is a truth beyond emotion. What a God. Isn't that amazing? She's stunned by his love. She's stunned by his victory. And in the midst of that deep depression, she says, I know know joy. True and certain. I know peace. Because the end of my train journey through that tunnel is my destination, is my station, is life forever with Jesus. What a wonderful testimony. In this world trouble, in me peace, beloved, I have overcome the world. So look forward to that day And while on your train journey, keep praying. Let me pray.
Father, we uh, thank you so much for the Lord Jesus and for that wonderful victory where he disarmed the evil one, he defeated death and he broke the power of sin. Thank you for your spirit, thank you for the gift of joy and the hope of heaven. Forgive us, Father, for our times of prayerlessness. Give us, we pray, delight in prayer. Keep us persevering. Fill us with joy. And bring us, we pray, safely to our journey's end. For Jesus' sake and in his powerful name we pray. Amen.